Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got ground. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Welcome into the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Greetings today from Studio B. Of course, Studio B, right here at the headquarters of the Saints and Pelicans on Airline Drive out in Metairie. I'm Sean Kelly. Hope this Thursday finds you well. Sure was fun last night at the Smoothie King Center, wasn't it? Pelicans have won six of their last seven and are now at 33-28. and 28. If we could get Russell Westbrook to knock it off for a little bit, um, we'd be talking about a playoff spot. But here, even with the win last night, the Pelicans still stand a game out of eighth in the Western Conference. Still plenty of time to go, although time is ticking a little bit. You know, it hit me last night on the way home. Um, you know, today is March 5th. <laughs> we are literally now a month and 10 days away from the end of the regular season. You can do the math when you look at the record of 33 and 28, but um, I'm just glad that it's a one game margin and not three or four, because that would be probably hard to overcome. But nonetheless, still fun at home. The Pelicans, uh, as we mentioned, have won six of their last seven and continue to take business here during this uh, stretch, take care of business against sub 500 teams, which they did against um, a, a pretty decent Detroit team last night. Their record doesn't quite indicate where that team is and certainly where they're going, but uh, it was a lot of fun last night. Um, I know more on that in a moment. Um, just real quick, I know the, the New Orleans Saints have yet to officially announce uh, that Pierre Thomas is no longer with the football team, but enough reports are out there that I just wanted, I wanted to take a moment today and say thank you to Pierre Thomas for his service to the organization um, I, there are, I've only been with the Saints now on the Saints side just a couple of seasons, but there are a few people uh, that have been as good to me and what I've been trying to accomplish in bringing Saints coverage to you uh, than Pierre Thomas. And when you look at 8,300-plus yards, a Super Bowl championship and everything else, um, it's fitting that even here today we just say thanks, Pierre. And I, I think it's been fantastic uh, to have him as a part of this organization, wish him nothing but the best. Again, the Saints have not officially said anything about this, um, so don't think that I'm sitting here thanking Pierre Thomas as an official member of the Saints or releasing some information, but just based on his Twitter account and his word, um, 
I think, word enough for me to want to say thanks. And uh, I'm sure the Saints will have something official on this here soon enough. Um, Vince Wolfork, by the way, uh, jumping gears a little bit, just found out this morning that the uh, Patriots are not going to pick up his option and he will be an unrestricted free agent come next week. Uh, It's very interesting right now in the NFL, to say the least. We're going to talk a little bit of NFL today. Uh, We're going to continue our little mini-series here, kind of going around the NFC South. Great idea by Daniel Salerson to do this. Yesterday we talked Tampa Bay. Today we're going to talk the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, a very good friend to us is the voice of the Falcons, Wes Durham. He'll jump on with us during the podcast today to talk about the um, Atlanta Falcons and where they stand here on the brink of the new NFL year and perhaps what they'll be looking to do in free agency first. We'll talk draft after, you know, after we get a little more time under us and get through the free agency period or at least the start of it. But West Durham today to talk about the Falcons here on the Black and Blue Report. Yesterday afternoon had a chance to visit with Paul Flannery, who is an author with SBNation.com. They put out some really cool stuff, not only nationally, but uh, specifically to the team that you follow. Uh, And I probably haven't paid enough attention to SB Nation, but the piece that Paul wrote about uh, the evolution of basketball in New Orleans and the evolution of Anthony Davis is really a great read. It's called The Special Man, and today uh, we'll air that interview that we conducted yesterday afternoon for you with Paul Flannery and talk to him about the piece, how it was putting it together, and some other thoughts uh, from Paul Flannery today. He's also, by the way, a journalism professor at Boston University, so... Um, he has some chops, as they say, at least I think so, uh, especially after reading his piece. And uh, I'll probably read more from him, to say the least. So Westerham today and uh, Paul Flannery on the Black and Blue Report. Let's go back to last night's basketball game just for a moment. I want to, uh, I want to talk about Anthony Davis for a moment. His first game back uh, from the shoulder injury, and what a performance. 39 points on 17 of 30 shooting. The 30 field goal attempts was a career-high Uh, for Davis. He also had 13 rebounds, nine of which came on the defensive glass, eight block shots. Um, He joins Hakeem Olajuwon and Dwight Howard as the only players to reach those numbers in the last three decades, 30 years. That's crazy. And it's the fourth time this season, I may be off on this a little bit, but surely it's the fourth time this season he's gone for better than 25 points, 10 rebounds, and I think six blocks, which he exceeded, you know, far and away above that last night. Daniel's showing me another tweet here. This is from our friend Lenny Van Gilder. Uh, Total games with 39-plus points, 12-plus rebounds, 8-plus blocks, 3-plus steals in the last 30 years, one. David Robinson did it on January the 10th of 1991. Um, I think I was pledging a fraternity during my freshman year of college when that happened. Now I'm dating myself. But uh, pretty cool performance. Tell you what, I want you to listen to a couple of the highlights from our radio broadcast last night. Here's a little bit of Anthony Davis, and then we'll roll into uh, Davis's time with the media in the postgame locker room last night. Evans over to Gordon Angle left. He'll feed Davis left side of the lane against Greg Monroe in a homecoming game for Greg. Face-up jumper for Davis is good. And welcome back, Anthony Davis. He missed five games? Apparently. <laughs> Not. Didn't look like it on yeah. that stroke. Evans slobs to the rim. Alley, you dunk finished by Davis. Yeah, 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 and yeah. He lost him. He was behind Monroe, and the Pelicans lead by two. Evans to the rack. Layup, no. Left to the rim. Rebound, Oshik back up. Can't get it to go. Davis is there to clean it up and knock it in. 
Rumble young man. Davis with 18 points in the first half. Puts his head down, drives, and ran into Pondexter, lost the ball. To Evans, three on two to Davis. You heard me, right hand dunk on the break for Anthony Davis, give him 27 points. And the Pelicans lead by four, timeout Pistons. A-D, A-D, A-D. 85-83 New Orleans, Detroit has a foul to give. 14 to shoot, 25 to play. Tyreek Evans between the rings, left hand bounce, picks it up, feeds Davis, jumper right of the key, bang, he got it. Fist pump for Anthony Davis, 39 points for Davis, 87-83, Pelicans lead it, timeout Detroit, their last of the game. Close by is Greg Monroe's hometown, but this is AD's house. You know, it's so good, you know, uh, we got a lot of energy coming back. Um, just out there having fun, you know. Um, <clears throat> made my first shot, missed my next five. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't probably next six, you know. It wasn't, you know, it was frustrating. It was easy looks, looks that I know I can make. You know, my team just rallied around me. So, I'm going to keep shooting the ball, kept feeding me. You know, coach kept drawing players for me. Just out having fun, you know, when you play with these guys who fight as hard as they do and, um, you know, come out for page and every night, you know, great things happen. How, how much was the adrenaline <coughs> flowing before this game started, before tip um, really pumped up? Yeah, you know, uh, I got dressed so early, you know, that I normally do. I was just pacing around, walking, you know, like the clock was moving slow. Just had a lot of adrenaline just couldn't wait to get on the floor, you know, and, um, you know, I was out there just having fun and it showed on the, on the court tonight. It's a really frenetic and physical game for you to come back from an injury like that, but it didn't look like it really affected you at all. No, I mean, the trainers and the doctors did a great job of, you know, protecting it. Um, and you know, I wasn't trying to think about it. You know, uh, I knew they did a great job of, um, you know, getting it strong as best as they can, you know, for this game. And when I was out there, you know, probably the adrenaline, I'll probably feel it tomorrow, you know, but, you know, in the game, it felt great. When you went baseline and was fouled by Drummond, you were, you were going in for a two-man slam and you fouled you and knocked it out. Did that tell you that your shoulder was okay? Was that kind of um, a test? I don't even know if he hit my shoulder. I don't know. You know, um, okay. it felt good. You know, I didn't feel any pain when it happened. So, um, but I wasn't thinking about my shoulder. I was thinking about the two free throws. I just missed one. So, I'm trying to concentrate on knocking them two down. Franchise record in this only your third season. I think you have 437 now. David West had 435. Is that right? Yeah, so what do you think about this? Um, I mean, it's a blessing. You know, uh, my third year, you know, um, being a franchise holder of, you know, any stat, you know, it's, you know, it's a blessing. And, you know, um, I just try to, you know, go out there and play for my team and um, do whatever it takes to win. And when you do that, play with the passion, you know, and the fight and the drive that, you know, this team have. To, you know, things like that, you know, come across. Um, it, it's, it's like I said, it's just a blessing. What your teammates say you were missing shots and shoot around? Was that true? Who said that, Tyreek? <laughs> 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 it was him. Uh, I was, you know, man, Tyreek. You know, you know, after every shoot around, we had shooting competitions. You know, um, we had make five threes in the corner in a row and. Um, Nobody ever wins. Nobody ever does it. You know, so we both made shots and shoot around. You know, but um, you no, know, we both made shots in the game. So that, that's all that really matters. The two mid-range numbers you hit at the end—it was two in the last minute, 14, which was huge. 
Um, was that kind of design, or did you just were you just feeling it from that distance at that point? Oh, uh, it was design. You know, um, I was on and off, you know, all night with the jumpers and. Um, coming out of timeout, coach drew a play up and he told me, he said, go make a shot, young buck. And said, yeah, I got you. And came off and um, went in. So I felt good about that one. Then we in a different play where uh, actually Tyree was supposed to drive. And they kind of like trapped him. And I just in the window where he can see me and you know, knocked that one down. And then he made a great read the third time and drove to the basket. So uh, you know, that's teamwork and you know, just having a high level um, high field basketball. Do you feel everything came naturally <coughs> shooting? I mean, I know you kind of said it started a little slow, but did, did it come back to you? Yeah, um, and I mean, the biggest thing, I wasn't forcing anything. You know, I was just letting the game come to me. You know, being a shot that I usually, you know, take if I was 100% healthy. Um, and you know, the team did a great job finding the guards, you know, and trying to get me involved, you know, and uh, you know, me realizing that, you know, guys trying to take me out, finding my teammates, and, um, you know, then let it come back to me towards the end. So, uh, you know, I just try to, you know, not take any bad shots, you know, but um, at the same time, I still want to be aggressive. What did you learn from your teammates that you might not have known in the five games that you missed? What, what did you see in the team and your teammates? I mean, all those guys fight, you know, and I knew that from the beginning, you know, but a lot of guys stepped up, you know, and played well, you know, for the five games um, that I was out. So um, it was huge, and, you know, we just got to continue, continue to do what we do. Certainly everybody was gushing about Davis's performance, the gritty win for the Pelicans, that's, uh, of which they had to battle back in the second half uh, and survive what was in a, kind of an embarrassing first quarter to go on to win. With more on that and more on Davis, here is head coach Monty Williams following New Orleans' 33rd win of the season yesterday. Um, we just fought all night long. We didn't have great juice to start the game. You look at the numbers, and AD has 39, 13, and 8, which is unreal. Uh, his first game back, Tyreek, you know, 21 and 9. Uh, but I thought Norris and Dante came into the game and kind of jacked our juice up. And um, from that point on, we started playing better defense. We had better energy on offense and uh, was able to win a, a tough game on our home floor. With as ugly as it was early, were you worried that your guys couldn't recover from it? Um, I wasn't so much worried about the, the game as a whole. I was worried about how we were playing. Uh, we weren't making shots, and we were giving up transition buckets. I think they had 19 fast break points in the first half. So I felt like if we took that out and, and kept them off the glass, um, which we were able to do a decent job early, but they ended up with 16 offensive rebounds, which is what you don't want up there. They had three. So that, that's why they had so many extra possessions. But I was more concerned about how we were playing early. But once we got our energy going, it started to feel more like our game. Coach, you've seen amazing from AD now on multiple occasions. What about this one tonight in his first game back, as you mentioned? Well, he, he just did it in so many ways, whether it was offense, defense. You know, he had eight blocks. I don't know what that is um, as far as a franchise is concerned, a franchise record or something like that. But his, his ability to affect the game. Um, in so many ways says a lot about you know his talent and how hard he works at it. I thought the blocks that he got around the basket uh, that most people thought were going to be layups. Um, he and Norris just made a few plays. Norris got one on Drummond. Uh, Quincy took a charge on Drummond, but AD around the basket tonight was stellar. Any pivotal moment or adjustment that you saw as you finally get that lead going to the, th the end of the third quarter? Well, they, they were trying to take AD out with the help side, and so 
we just tried to clear the help side out and give him more room to operate, and he knocked down big shots. Uh, Tyreek was finding him and uh, knocked down a big shot coming out of a timeout, and Tyreek gets a layup, and then AD comes back and makes another play. So we were just trying to make some adjustments on offense, but the guys made plays tonight. All right, so Pelicans back in action tomorrow night against the Boston Celtics. It's 80s night at Smoothie King Center. Uh, the first fans in the door will receive the Pelicans Rubik's Cube, which we have here in Studio B. Uh, Daniel, that doesn't look right. That doesn't look finished. It looks like you've been messing around with it again. Can't figure it out. You're just not a child of the 80s, I guess, like myself. Born in 87. Now you don't. You, you, just, you were still wet behind the ears by the time we got to 1990. Um, anyway, uh, and more from Monty Williams tonight. The Monty Williams Show is at 8 o'clock, and I'll give you the details on that before we get out of here today on the podcast. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, Paul Flannery from SBNation.com about his piece entitled The Special Man. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir? I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. The future is now for the New Orleans Pelicans as all-star Anthony Davis has become one of the elite players in the NBA. 2015-16 season tickets are now on sale, so make sure to secure early bird pricing and receive special gifts as part of our parade of prizes. Season ticket holders receive great benefits, including access to exclusive team events, plus savings on concessions and merchandise. Be part of the best fan experience in the NBA by calling 525-HOOP or visiting pelicans.com today. Besh Restaurant Group and your Pelicans present an exclusive Chalk Talk dinner at Bourne, a John Besh restaurant. Join us Monday, March 16th at 6.30 p.m. for your chance to enjoy great food prepared by Chef Brian Landry and the Bourne staff. The night will be hosted by a Pelicans broadcaster and include appearances by Pelicans guard Tyreek Evans and general manager Del Demps. Tickets are limited to enjoy this night of food and fun. Score your seats and get more info at BourneRestaurant.com. What's up, Pelican fans? This is Anthony Mackey, a shorter, talented version of Anthony Davis, and you are listening to the Black and Blue Report. Go Pelicans. Well, I tweeted about this article last week, I guess it was. Uh, It really caught my attention, and I do a lot of reading, so it takes something to catch my attention, but certainly the special man uh, online at SBNation.com caught my attention. We're very pleased to have the author of that article, Paul Flannery, here with us on the Black and Blue Report today. Paul writes for the NBA coverage at SBNation.com. He also, uh, by the way, and it makes me a little nervous, teaches journalism at Boston University up in the Northeast. Hi, Paul. Hey, how's it going? It's going well. Don't be nervous. nervous. I I appreciate that. I'll try and use the King's English a little bit today, too. So, (laughs) um, by the way, are you in Boston right now? I am, as a matter of fact, yes. Any relief inside as we sit here at 79 degrees in New Orleans right now? Well, we had a we had a snow and ice storm last night, but today, big news, it got over 40 degrees. So the melt has started, although we're about to go back down to the 20s for the weekend. And then next week, next week is looking good. Okay. All right. Fair enough. It just so, makes you want to come back and maybe write another piece about New Orleans, huh? 
I will come back anytime. When anytime. were you when the the article came out on February the twenty sixth? When were you here writing about not only the I guess the evolution of New Orleans basketball, but also the evolution of Anthony Davis? Sure. So I was originally supposed to come down, um, I think the last week in January, and I had to delay it by several days because that was the first blizzard that hit Boston. So um, I came down, and I'm not entirely positive of the timeline off the top of my head, but it was during that very long homestand, and the first game I saw was against the Clippers when uh, New Orleans was able to win that game without Anthony. So I spent, you know, four or five days down there, um, trying to, you know, when when I had availability, I was around the team, and when I wasn't, I was, you know, out and about in the city and, and talking to some local people and, and just trying to get as much as much information and background as I possibly could. What was the difference, Paul, between the genesis of the uh, of the idea and what you ended up with? Oh, that's, a good, that's a really good question, actually. So, I mean, you know, I went down there with the notion of, well, New Orleans is, a, is an amazing city. It's my favorite city. And Anthony Davis is an amazing player. And so somewhere in between, there has to be some kind of a story there. And, you know, I figured I would get some basketball stuff. I did, a, I did another piece on Anthony for, for my Sunday shoot-around feature that was more basketball-driven. And, you know, I was there when, when New Orleans beat the Hawks. So I was able to sort of write about that. And so when I came back, I had a lot of thoughts in my head. But one of them was I don't want to write a basketball story again. I don't want to write about his development. I don't want to write about – you know, roster stuff. I want to write about New Orleans, the city, the player, and see if I can make something work here. So what was your biggest takeaway? And I know there was a lot because it's a lengthy piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, my biggest takeaway is that, and, and this is what I've learned over the years, and I think I was fortunate in some respects in that I've worked all over the country. I grew up in New Jersey, which is sort of like, you know, between Philadelphia, between New York, and you realize that different regions are, are just they just deal with their sports completely differently. There are some, you know, some some similarities, some not. And New Orleans itself is so unique. The biggest thing that I that I that I took from down there is that it's not not only do you do you want a winning team, you want a player at the top of the list who understands you and who understands where he is. And I guess every city likes wants that, but in New Orleans, that's crucial crucial and so when I asked Anthony about that and he understood immediately what that meant and what his responsibility was as the face of the franchise I thought okay now I've got something here do you find it almost remarkable that a kid from the south side of Chicago who played one year in Lexington Kentucky can be that guy for the city of New Orleans Man, it's 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 crazy, and you know Anthony and I had a long talk with Monty Williams about this, and and I said he's so he's so mature for a 21 year old, and Monty said yeah, but he's still 21, and when you talk to him, you do realize that he's a young he's a very young man, and but he his his head and his heart are absolutely in the right place, and he understands it, he gets it, he he has he has cracked the code, I think at least from afar of what it, what it means to be a superstar in New Orleans. And, you know, not everybody does that. I mean, you know, Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce came from Inglewood, California, made Boston his home, and is as Boston as you can get, which is crazy, right? Rondo spent eight years here, never quite understood what made the city tick. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not a given that, 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 that a player will understand this, and Anthony does. You started to do this a little bit in the article, but the last basketball player that New Orleans fell in love with was Chris Paul. Um, What parallels can you draw between the Paul time here and the Davis era now? 
Well, they're different. I, I, I mean, you know, Chris Paul came into the NBA and was almost immediately a star. And it took Anthony a year and a half or so to really start to click, and then he got hurt. And this year has really been his breakthrough. And, you know, Chris, unfortunately, Chris was in Oklahoma City when he started. So it always felt, from afar, it felt different. And from what everyone told me, Chris really, really, really wanted to make a huge impact in New Orleans and did while, while he was there. But – you know, with the with the ownership situation and everything else, it just it's a different field. Now the ownership uh, the ownership uh, situation is stabilized. We know who's going to own the team. It's not Charlotte's team anymore. It's New Orleans team, and I just feel like there's there's a there's a lot of differences in the dynamic. But the you know the 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 similarity is the same, and it's not just a Chris Paul thing, New Orleans thing. It's an NBA thing. Will a young superstar stay in in a smaller market when there are other opportunities out there down the line, four or five years down the line. Let's separate the two things here. One is Anthony Davis. The other is your time here in the city. Both collide in the article, but two separate experiences for you. Um, My question about the city of New Orleans, or at least the non-basketball people that you spoke with, um, I would imagine you get a different reaction than I do. I think that people know that I call the games on the radio, that I work for the team, so their answers are probably going to be a little different toward me than they would be to you. What did you gauge, Paul, about where basketball and specifically this team stands currently in the culture of this city? Well, I had you know I had a little bit of a stacked deck because the the, the people that I talked to in the piece were not random. They, they that was I made their acquaintance through a friend. Um, you know, I hadn't met them before I came down there, but uh, Chris True, for example, is a season ticket holder. Uh, my friend John Michael Rochelle, who's a, who's, a, who's a musician, wonderful guitar player, is a huge basketball nerd. And then uh, Ro LeBlanc, of course, is, is so well-versed in, in, in the dynamics of the city. So these are people that, that had a genuine interest in the team, are not casual fans. These are hardcore fans. And so they understood a lot of the dynamics. But what was interesting to me was that walking around New Orleans, Hearing people talk, seeing, seeing, you know, Pelicans gear, that kind of thing, you could sense that the team is starting to take root, is starting to take hold. And, I mean, the best way to do that is to win games, get in the playoffs, get the whole city excited. But you can sense that it is, okay, this is our team now. This is not, again, this is not Charlotte's team. This is our team. And I, that was my sense at any rate. The other side of it being Anthony Davis. And I know there was the parallel drawn to Drew Brees, and I guess I've probably done that too I think I did that for the association, that show on NBA TV. Um, it's hard for me, though, to draw a parallel between a Super Bowl quarterback in his mid-30s and an NBA emerging superstar at the age of nearly 22 this month. Um, but yet they're there. And did you did you sense that from Anthony? And what level of, I guess, genuineness did you find from Anthony about the future here? Well, I think it's very genuine from him. Um and I think, you know, the parallels are, yes, their ages are different. Yes, they play different sports. But, you know, and I wasn't there, so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but when Drew Brees came to New Orleans, he understood that he wasn't just signing a free agent contract to be a quarterback. He understood that he was going to be the quarterback of this team in this city at that moment. And he got it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I feel like Anthony, coming into the NBA in a very short amount of time, has realized that, okay, this is a little bit different than if I had gone to Houston or if I had gone to even Philadelphia, where I worked for, for a number of years. It's different here. And so I think the, the parallel is that the two of them both grasped what's at stake here. What came easy about the article and what was difficult? 
<laughs> Nothing ever comes easy. <laughs> um, you know, you know what's interesting is that my time down there it just flew by. I wish I had more time, not just because of the weather, um, but everyone was so open and was so willing to talk and was so willing to answer my questions, and which was great. And that that goes for the team as well. Um, credit to Matt Ryan, the PR director, who made everything work. People were really interested in talking about about this about the about the questions that I had. And then when I got home, I said, wow, okay, i got to pull this off. And I had about, you know, a couple of days. But that actually worked out because my editor said, he said, you, you, you know what you want to do, so just do it. Don't, don't sit around for a week trying to figure it out. Like, you've already done the thinking, just do it. And so that actually worked out pretty well from, my, from, from a writing standpoint. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, when you write something like this and you work on something like this, you live with it. It, it gnaws at you. You wake up thinking about it. You go to bed thinking about it. And so it's, you know, it, it, it does take a while to figure it out. What's the reaction been, Paul? Uh, the reaction has been amazing, and, and I thank everyone for it. What, what's really gratifying to me is that um, New Orleanians have told me, you know, either through Twitter or in the comments or whatever, that, that, I, that I got it and I understood, which, you know, I, 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 that's a big responsibility for a writer to, to get it. And I take that very, very seriously. So that, to me, is the most gratifying. Paul Flannery is the uh, author of this piece uh, on SB8Nation.com. Uh, the, the, the piece almost begs to have a follow-up, doesn't it, Paul? <laughs> it sure does. I would love to come back. Now, so from my perspective, I've been to New Orleans now four or five times, and my wife has been down there several, several times for her job. And so now I'm at the point where, okay, when I get there, I have, a, I have a general sense of stuff, you know? The first couple times you go down there, you're just overwhelmed with it. Now I have a better sense, like, well, okay, where do I want to go for dinner? Who do I want to see? What part of the city do I want to stay in? What part of the city do I want to see? And so I will come back anytime you guys will have me. <laughs> now, does the piece become a part of the syllabus for your class at BU? You know, I try to keep my own work out as best as I possibly can because that gets to be a little. Plus, I don't want them picking apart my stuff. You know, <laughs> like that's the worst. So no, I try to keep my stuff out of it. But I do relate experiences as as best I can to my students, so they you know they have some real world uh, knowledge drop, being dropped on them. Who do you tell your students to read? I'm curious. Oh, um, man, you know, so we do a lot of things in my course. Um, you know, to me, you know, if we're talking about the best writers right now, Lee Jenkins is stands out as from Sports Illustrated stands out as a number one. But you know, if we're talking about um, if we're talking about beat writers, there are a number of great beat writers. If we're talking about columnists, there are a number of great columns, columnists. And you know, feature writing is its own is its own discipline. So I try to expose them to a wide swath of uh, of writers and pieces that have that have moved me over the years. I don't know if I can answer that question. It's so big. There's so many good ones working. Uh, I see a journalism professor evading a question. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Paul, well, well I done. I gave you one. I gave you yeah, Lee. Yeah, you gave me Lee. No, and you're dead on about Lee Jenkins, that's for sure. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I want to get the word out. Uh, by the way, do you do any Twitter stuff? Oh, yeah. I'm at PFLANS, which is my old childhood nickname. And if I had thought about it longer when I signed up for Twitter, I probably would have done something different but i am at p flans which is p-f-l-a-n-n-s and yeah that's all right where you can find me most days you've got a new follow from me and uh thanks again for your time this is fantastic and uh i just i really i really wanted to speak about good writing and certainly something that seemed to get it right about this place because as you know after visiting here now nearly a half a dozen times um a lot of people hit and a lot of people miss on this place that's for sure 
That's right. And, no, I, and, and, and thank you so much for having me, and also thanks for the kind words. I really do appreciate it. No problem. It's at SBNation.com. The name of the piece is The Special Man. The author is Paul Flannery. And we'll be back on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion. It's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. I'm Linda, mother of two beautiful 13-year-old twins. While my son has brown hair and blue eyes and my daughter has blonde with green eyes, they both share one identical DNA trait. I hate spinach. No one leaves the table until you finish your vegetables. Getting my kids to want to eat vegetables, that's my purpose. Blend it now. Try the new veggie blends at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to get your kids to love vegetables. Smoothie King, smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Hey, let's turn our attention to football here on the Black and Blue Report and continue our lap around the NFC South. Yesterday we talked Bucks. today the Atlanta Falcons. We welcome back to the program a friend of the program. You're an FOP now, West Durham. How about that? Is that is that something I get to stitch on a pillow, or is there a T-shirt involved? Uh, there may be a T-shirt um, and maybe a round of golf at some point. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Okay, I yep. like it. Get better all the time, particularly in the off season. Exactly, exactly. As long as we can keep that from being a rules violation, we're probably in good shape. So, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about the Falcons just for a moment because uh, here it was more of a routine conversation with the Buccaneers yesterday as we are on the eve of the uh, new NFL year. But for you guys, it's a new head coach, it's a salary dump, which is a good thing. It's room to improve, maybe first via free agency before we even talk about the draft. So. I'll let you pick first because there's a pile of stuff in Atlanta. Well, I think the first thing is is that Dan Quinn, the new head coach, probably hasn't had a faster 30 days in his life, um, nor uh, just the spectrum of emotions in about 36 hours when you lose the Super Bowl what on the final play practically to being named your first-time NFL head coach You know, a day and a half later. Um, so I can only imagine how fast the last 30 days has been for him, Sean, um, just in, in that world. Um, everybody kind of knew it was going to happen, so you and I both know back channels with the league and everything else. He probably had a really good idea on staff. Kyle Shanahan, the OC, Richard Smith, the defensive coordinator. Raheem Morris is going to be uh, the assistant head coach. Keith Armstrong, who was here with Mike Smith, retained as the special teams coordinator, along with three other assistants. And I think all that is, uh, is pretty important stuff. Um, then you get the reorg that was announced in the front office, where Thomas Dimitrov is still the general manager.
Scott Pioli is going to handle player personnel and evaluations. And, and it, it's been interpreted that Quinn will have the final say on the 53. So I think we're all kind of saying, okay, let's see how this works in free agency. And then let's see what happens with the draft and so on and so forth. And then, oh, by the way, you let Steven Jackson go. You let Harry Douglas go. Um, you know, and, and Atlanta, by the way, was operating uh, before they re-signed the kicker, Matt Bryant. Uh, Atlanta was operating in the 34 to $36 million under the salary cap. Mm. Now with the new projection and the re-signing of Bryant, I still think they're somewhere in that $32, $33 million range. Um, so I, I expect the Falcons to be a very, uh, very hot team once free agency starts. Now who and where and how, um, you know, I, I think it'll be focused on defense, obviously, but at the same time, they've got a couple of things offensively they need to uh, they need to firm up. Let's start with the defensive side, uh, Mr. Durham. Would you like to see free agency take care of up front linebacker safety is another spot for Atlanta, or yeah. where does the draft come into that too? Well, I think you know here's the deal: they got to rush the passer, okay, and it's the. You know, it's unfortunately the same line that's been thrown out here about three straight years, four straight years, is Atlanta cannot run the rush the quarterback. So they got to find somebody to do that. Um, you know, Pierre Paul got tagged by the Giants. Justin Houston got tagged by the Chiefs. Obviously, the Chiefs are going to tag Justin Houston. I mean, the kind of year he had, you expected it. But it left Tom Ali to go to free agency. Um, is Tom Ali, has he got a year or two, or is that another OCU Manure type deal? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, you know, you got to find the fit there. I think there's some interesting guys in the draft, Sean, that you can go after. Um, I really like the, you know, personally, I like the Fowler kid at Florida, but I don't know if he'll be there. Um, you know, and you, you've got about four or five of those guys and you got some big guys in the middle and then you've got, you know, all of a sudden what Vince Wilfork's on the free agent line today. I mean, you know, there are all sorts of possibilities there. So I, I can see a combination of both addressing the defense. Offensively, you got Devontae Freeman to run the ball after you let Steven Jackson go. Uh, Quiz Rogers is a free agent. Um, you don't have to waive him. You can bring him back at a lower rate if there are no takers. Or I'll give you one. What about C.J. Spiller? Okay? Yep. Um, C.J. Spiller, to me, would be very interesting with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Roddy White. The question you have about Spiller, though, is some of the same questions you may have had about Jackson. How many years has he played 16 games in the regular season? Um, he's got speed for days, but he's also been injured a lot in his career. So I can see that. Um, and I'll be honest, too. I, you know, And I saw the Saints uh, parted ways with, what, Pierre Thomas yesterday? Yeah, that's the word um, we're getting, yep. Yeah, I mean, if, if, that, if that happens, I can see that kind of player in Atlanta because of his ability to do a couple of different things. Now, I can also see him resigning, but at the same time, uh, I, can, I can see Atlanta being interested in somebody like Pierre Thomas just simply for the fact he'd be on your team and not, to, not playing against you twice a year where God, seemingly he just had big play after big play against Atlanta. Yeah, you know, and that would really tark off some people here in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> well, just what do we need? We just need to add a little more to the rivalry? Is that it? Uh, you know, and that's the funny thing is it's finally, you know, a really competitive rivalry, and – Uh, And a true one at that. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned all the new faces in the front office. uh, You've got a new stadium coming down the line and everything else. Um, There there seems to be a sliding scale here whenever there's that much turnover. Uh, One would be 
the new group wants to make this immediate splash and legitimize uh, their existence. The other would be um, we're comfortable in our own skin and we're going to build this the right way or you know wh- whatever cliche you want to use. Uh, which way does the slider move uh, with this group, you think? Well, I, I think there's uh, – boy, that's a good question. And it's really well thought out and described because you've attacked both ends here. Um, probably a little bit of both here because, see, Dan Quinn is about the term fast and physical. And, you know, here's the defensive coordinator from the Seattle Seahawks coming to town, all right? And what has Atlanta lacked the last half dozen years? Really good defense, mm-hmm. you know? And so you've really kind of addressed that topic from the top down. Um, I like the staff he's put together. It's a young staff, uh, maybe the youngest in the NFL. I don't know that yet, but it, it sure looks young on paper. Um, I mean, he's got some veteran guys, but for the most part, really young coaches, which I think is going to breed a lot of enthusiasm. But is it productive? And you know what I mean by this? Is it productive enthusiasm? Um, can they can they come in here and have an impact? See, to me, when you started hunting coaches, if you wanted to address the defense, that's fine. Because, and you know this because of the team you cover, the offense ain't broke, you know? There's nothing wrong with the offense. Now, sure, you haven't run the ball the way you want to, but, man, you can fling it now. You can fling it with the best of them. And you got the weapons to fling it. I do think, I will say this, I forgot to mention this in the free agent talk, I do think the one thing that they've got to look at offensively is if Julius Thomas comes into play here for Atlanta, that would be an interesting piece because he would be the closest thing you could get to Gonzalez. And, and what he was able to do here. But I think offensively on the whole, without adding somebody like Thomas, you're still in pretty good shape. You've got to get your offensive line back in order, and that was a real problem the last couple of years. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, and, and everybody, Wes, is going to say, well, we'd like to do this a little better. I mean, that's the NFL. Come on. Sure. So, well, that's why the league's the league, right? Right, right. No doubt. Um, great stuff, as always. I, I can't wait to see the invoice I get for this latest interview. Um, <laughs> you know where to send it. Unbelievable. Well, Unbelievable. I hope that you get a little time on the uh, on the course, and uh, I know that you're anxiously, or eagerly, I should say, not nervously, but eagerly awaiting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks here for your ball club. It's going to be, you know what, it's going to be an interesting time in the league because I, I think for the first time the reality in the American sporting public is how close this league is in the 32 teams. You know, we, we're fortunate to be in this business where we talk about the National Football League for a living in some respects, and I think I think the American sporting public, this has become America's pastime. I mean, just look at it. Um, the beast that is the combine, the beast that is the draft. We talk about the new league year now almost like we talk about the start of a season. You know, it's a it's a fascinating, fascinating analysis of how much the how much professional football and football in general has uh, has taken over the American sporting culture. Sure. Well, exactly. And if you want to use the uh, correlation between the history of baseball and now what is the NFL, um, nobody. Nobody gets excited about baseball's hot stove league. Remember that term growing up? We all loved it. Oh, yeah. Well, the hot stove league yeah. now is the NFL offseason. You're right. Yep. You're exactly right. My friend, I appreciate it very much. I hope that you'll do something productive the rest of the day after ruining about a 30-minute <laughs> spell with me. Anytime, Sean. You know that. Thank you, sir. Voice of the Falcons, West Durham, here on our lap around the NFC South. We'll continue on the Black and Blue Report in just a moment. Basketball fans from all over Louisiana are invited to the Louisiana High School Boys and Girls All-Star Basketball Games being held in Shreveport at the Hirsch Coliseum on Saturday, March 21st. 
The best players from Louisiana will put on an exciting display of showmanship. Tickets are only $10 and games start at 1 p.m. Check out hotels and other things to do at Shreveport-Bossier.org or call 888-45-VISIT. Join us this Saturday night at the Smoothie King Center as your New Orleans Pelicans face off against all-star Marcus Gasol and the Memphis Grizzlies. Get downtown early for Pelicans Fest that starts at 4.30 with music, interactive games, and appearances by Pierre and the Pelicans Dance Team. Speaking of the Pelicans Dance Team, it's Dance Team Night, and the first 10,000 fans will receive a Dance Team poster. Stay in your seats at halftime for the always entertaining Dance Team Olympics. Tickets start as low as $15, so call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to get your tickets today. Taking a break from Mayor Landrew's pothole repair crew. Once again, here's Sean Kelly. Good show today. Engaging guests, that's for sure. We'll do more of it tomorrow uh, right here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll continue our series about the NFC South. Mick Mixon, the voice of the Carolina Panthers, uh, set to join us or scheduled to join us. And then we'll wrap things up on Monday. Uh, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. Uh, we'll kind of put a wrap on it. And uh, then the new league year starts Uh on March the 10th. It's crazy. Uh, let's see, what else tomorrow? Oh, yes, Monty Williams, uh, in-depth with the head coach of the Pelicans. That will be kind of an encore uh, airing of what you couldn't hear tonight on the Monty Williams show. Uh, in case you can't hear it tonight on the radio, it's yours tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report, I guess is what I'm saying. If you want to catch it tonight, first run on the radio, 105.3 WWL-FM, flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network. Monty Williams show is yours at... 8 Central, 8 Central. And uh, I think we'll do a little more with Paul Flannery tonight. And uh, we'll recap the last week of Pelicans basketball uh, highlights and sound bites and whatnot between 8 and 8.30. That'll pretty much do it for us here on this uh, Thursday edition. Um, Weather-wise, we'll hope for better tomorrow, although it doesn't seem like it's going to be better tomorrow here in the city of New Orleans. Uh, Thanks again to Paul Flannery today, West Durham as well from the Atlanta Falcons. And for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for joining us. We uh, love hearing from you. You can always uh, give us your feedback at Black Blue Report. That's the Twitter address for this program. And until tomorrow, from the Smoothie King Center, Sean Kelly saying so long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.